Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Tone Talk with Mark Uzanski and Dave Friedman. Tonight, we've got a special guest. Doug Rappaport is joining us. And Doug, um, thanks for joining us. Thank How you. Are you. I'm great. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, man. Thank you. And uh, Dave, how you feeling? You feeling better? Everything going well? I'm well again. <laughs> Good. Fuck yeah. I, I got. I came back from Detroit. I got sick. Uh, <laughs> I don't uh, know what I had, but it was really nasty. It was Detroit-itis. <laughs> <laughs> Something. Yeah. Well, or har- harpo-itis, but yeah. Well, thankfully, you're feeling better. Harpotitis. <laughs> the, there uh, you go. It's the uh, black lung that I got from uh, harpos. <laughs> Or whatever else that Pete was saying. Um, that's cool. I'm glad you're feeling better. And uh, yeah. Doug, thank you for joining us. Um, we've been talking about having you on the show for a while. Uh, Dave, like, one, like as soon as Dave and I started the show. By the way, this is episode 27. Hey, which All is right. which is super cool. Um, yeah. And um, so, thanks for joining us. And um, we've been awesome. talking about having you on, like even from the very beginning. Dave was like, oh, we got to get Doug Rappaport on. Um, so, you know, I'm glad we were able to finally work it out to have you on. Great. Yeah. Very cool. I know it you just, play. It just I, took me that long to ask. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we had to get get around to it. And you're pretty busy with lots of stuff, of course. So, um, but yeah, so just for people who don't know, uh, right now we got 41 viewing right now. Um, and growing. Um, so you, you played with Edgar Winter, right? That's correct. I, I still do. Yeah. And right. So you're still touring with him. T- tell mm-hmm. how, tell us about that. Uh, how did well, that come about? Well, you know, I, I was uh, I was tooling around. Well, I grew up in Los Angeles, but I was tooling around town like everybody else. You know, playing in bands and just trying to stand out. You know. Uh, uh, ahead of a million other guitar players. <laughs> and right. uh, I actually, uh, actually, I'll just, little history real quick. I got my first like pro rig from Mr. Dave Friedman here. And uh, it was like there back in go. the early 90s, early 90s. Yeah. I, uh, really? It was back like back. a, yeah. Yeah. It was like a high school graduation present. My, my dad hooked me up with some gear. So uh, we got a, we got a, a VHT power amp, and we got the one of those Akasha rock mods, uh, rack yeah. mount, and uh, a Proverb, or what do they call it? The Elise's uh, little uh, rack mount. Quadroverb or something? That's or? it, the Quadroverb. Was it a Quadroverb? <laughs> really? It was a Quadroverb, yeah. And uh, I got a 412 slant cab, and Dave wired it all up, put it together for me. He even showed me how to use a couple things, and... Uh, yeah, so I got my first pro rig from Dave. So I've known Dave for a long, long time. So that's super and, cool. Yeah, I still have like all the cables that he made for me. So oh wow, that's quality. Wish you, probably wish you still had the rock mod. Those <laughs> yeah, are pretty cool, of. actually. They were. They were really good. <laughs> yeah, but you know, got to pay rent. So yeah. Um. So Edgar was. Uh, I was. Um. I just happened to be working part time at a auction house in Beverly Hills and the owner of the auction house uh, wanted to make a jazz album. He wanted to be a singer. So he wanted to do an album singing old jazz standards and he hired an engineer and my job, you know, 
working at the at the gallery there, he just said, you know, go pick him up, help him out with whatever he needs, help him haul all his gear from here to there. And so I did that. And I became friendly with the engineer who happened to be friends with Edgar. And uh, I I gave this guy, the engineer, a CD, demo CD I had made. I think like, a, I don't know. I forget what I made it on, but it was, uh, it was okay. Right. And he really liked it. He liked it and uh, he handed it to Edgar. Edgar had actually hired somebody already. And this engineer guy said, well, you got to hear this guy. And so I got a call from Edgar Winter one day, just out of the blue. And uh, crazy. So I, so I went to his house and he said, all right, I'm going to sing some blues licks. And he sang some stuff and I copied it. And then I just took a few solos and uh, he picked up the phone and he called uh, the tour manager and said, yeah, cancel the other guy's ticket. I want to take this guy. So, wow. <laughs> it was pretty cool. So he took a chance on a young inexperienced guy. So totally grateful. How many years have you been playing with him? Um, that's like 16 years now. Wow. Yeah. That's a great gig. So how old yeah, how old were you when you started that? Uh I get uh twenty eight around there. Okay. Late twenties. Great. Yeah. So So how often how often is he touring? You know, as the years go by it gets a little less and less. Um Yeah. So Is it like uh, keeping you keeping keeping you busy? Most of the year, or or no, like part just part time. Yeah, it's like um, it's like during the off season. Off seasons, it's uh, I mean November, December, January is pretty dead. But before summer and after, you know, before summertime, it's usually like four four dates a week, maybe cool or three dates a week. Then in the summer, we pick up, maybe get on a tour. Like last year, we went on tour with Deep Purple and Alice Cooper, and uh, you know that was cool. We pick up little tours like that. Right, you right. know, it's getting less and less. He's like he's seventy years old now. He still kicks ass, but I don't think he's comfortable doing like heavy touring like we did yeah. when I first joined the band. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, of course. I actually have a, a buddy of mine who um, who tours with uh, Chubby Checker. Uh-huh. He plays with him, and uh, hmm. not very often, but but he <laughs> but but they play, <laughs> which is crazy. Um, yeah. But that's cool. That's a great gig. That is a great gig. Um, and then uh, I just saw you doing some videos for Seymour Duncan on their pedals. Yeah, those, that's right. Those were great videos. Oh, thank you. Yeah, um, it's funny. You know, I, I moved up out of L.A. up to Oregon uh, two years ago, almost two years ago. And immediately I hooked up with this uh, phenomenal musician named Keith Merrill. Um, He's, he's really well known in the metal world. He's just this phenomenal composer and engineer and filmer. And uh, he called me out of the blue and was like, yeah, Duncan would like us to work together. So we did. We got together. We made a bunch of cool videos with different kinds of pickups. And we worked so well together. It was he's, he's a brilliant, brilliant guy. And it was, uh, it was just great. We did a bunch of videos. And after that, you know, Keith moved on. And then Duncan contacted me. He was like, let's keep making stuff. So I did. I don't know how many videos I've done, but a bunch and are really cool. So that's, that's good. great. Yeah. That's, that is good stuff. Yeah. I was watching um, the chorus pedal just last night. Oh, that was a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Just, Thank you. A lot of good. It just showed a lot of good genres of, you know, types of styles you could do with the pedal and 
also styles of music that you can play too, which is great. Dave, yeah. I think you need you need to get Doug to do some Friedman videos. Oh yeah, it's coming. <laughs> he's done some in the past. Yeah, yeah I've done a bunch of videos. Yeah. Oh, have you? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he's already done a bunch, yeah. Um, yeah. But no, we we talked about that. He's got a bunch more in the pike coming. So that's cool. I got to get you an amp, don't we? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Oh, you don't have a Friedman amp already? No, no. Oh, yeah, I do. Yeah, I I was like, I I definitely have seen videos of you playing Friedman amps. You use the Friedman amp in that Duncan video you're talking about. Oh, yeah, I use the Friedman amp on almost every video I do. Unless it's for an an amp. Yeah. Unless (laughs) it's for an amp that I don't. Well, maybe. No. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, guys. No, I do. Uh, I don't know what happened. I, do. I don't get amp videos anymore. No one calls me for amps now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, but like anything like a pedal video or any of that stuff, I use I use the Friedmans because they're, I mean, also obviously they record so well. And I'm not just blowing smoke because we're on here with Dave and stuff, but they record very well. And the clean platform just, of course, they're known for their overdrive, which is killer, but the clean can take pedals like unbelievable. Yeah. So. Pedal stuff just works great. That's why I use them. Mm-hmm. So what Freeman amps do you actually have? I have the BE and the SS. Uh, yeah. So how, you know, lots of people would be like, I know I've seen questions a thousand times, and I actually have never played an SS. So what, how would you describe the differences on, like, the overdrive channel, the voicing? Um, the BE, uh, I find it's a little more compressed, um, in the upper mids, mids, upper mids as a more compression. Mm-hmm. And, um, I find the SS is a little more open sounding. Um, God, it's really hard. It's like telling someone who's never seen purple before what purple looks like, you know? Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah that's true. I guess. The, fe- the clean on the BE has this beautiful British jangly thing, which I love. And then uh, fe- uh, you get more of a fendery clean on the SS, I think. Mm. And they both take pedals beautifully. I think that, I don't know, man. They're both, I just there's a slightly different voicing in the high end, really, is, is really the major difference. And a little less compressed on the SS, is what I'd say. Yeah, but, maybe the SS is a bit fatter, too. Yeah, it's very fat. Fatter and. Very. and- it's not really darker, but because the, the, the treble knob is an audio taper pot, where the treble position is is different. Oh. Um, so so uh, on the BE, like half on the treble would be more like the SS at 7 or something. Mm. You know, so it's like right. a qu- almost a quarter turn different. Okay. It's just, it's just where audio taper just it comes in later in the sweep and linear taper comes in more linearly, you know, from the beginning. Just kind of. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, I found that, um, when I, when I go into, uh, like this last touring situation I had in Japan, I took both, I took the BE and the SS and we tried both and we ended up going with the BE in the end because it's, it wasn't as bassy. It was a little more focused. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It wasn't as fat sounding because I'm playing with another guitar player. I'm playing with the keyboard player. You know, so it just the BE just kind of just popped right in there perfectly. 
and just right. you know, boom. So yeah, that's cool. But I love yeah, that's what I've got. Yeah, I've got the BE. I'd love to try the SS. Next it's name. Badass. Next name. I have to try. Killer. It. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I'm sure it is. Steve's got a great ear too. So. Um, yeah, he's got both too. <laughs> does he? The S- he uses both. He uses like sometimes he uses a B100. Sometimes he uses the SS. So I mean, he has both. So wasn't that based on his Marshall, the SS? Like one of his plexes or something? It will do that to a T. Yes. Mm. It's a certain setting, a certain way. It'll do it to the T. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, I mean, his description when when I originally did that amp for him was he w- wanted that kind of plexi tone, but he wanted it obviously controllable with a little more gain, and he wanted it to be a little fatter because he wanted the single notes to be a little on the fatter side than than kind of the skinny kind of squeaky, you know. Yeah, I see. Thing. So interesting, but he uses both. So yeah. I don't. He likes both. So at this point, so I mean yeah. that that was the BE's voice thing has changed a little bit over the years and stuff. So and and he uses a current one, and or an SS. So it depends. Yeah. Cool. I'm really excited about the deluxe, the 50 deluxe. Yeah, that's the uh, one you're going to do a video for. Yeah, I, I tried that at Nam, and I was like, <laughs> I know you're like looking at me, going, hmm. That's what everybody would <laughs> That was the, at NAMM, that actually, I don't think many people went to any other amp. Like, Dave Black wasn't really switching to many other amps besides just, like, well, that amp. Everyone was, like, stuck on it. Yeah, it was stuck on, like, for four days, I think it was stuck on the BE-50. For the, yeah. yeah. So yeah. the whole time. Which is cool. Yeah. So how, uh, so you, you also play Nags guitars. Correct, yes. Yeah. And those are great guitars. They they look beautiful. Um, how'd you get hooked up with them? Um, and how long ago? I'm curious. I, I guess I got. I don't know. I think it's probably it going on. I think it was like four or five years ago now. I think. Uh, yeah, at least. Yeah, I I've been a, a Gibson player for a long time. Uh, Les Paul SG, mostly Les Paul, mm-hmm. and I love those guitars and. Um, a guy named Kelsey Alonzo, he writes for Guitar Connoisseur magazine. I think it's his magazine. He got a hold of me. He said, I want you to put down that Les Paul. And I said, never going to happen. <laughs> and uh, he said, you know, well, you know, what has Gibson ever done for you? And I was like, hmm. That's a good question, yeah. You know. Um, so, you know, I had approached Gibson before. I was like, look, I've been playing your guitars. I've done TV shows all over the place in Europe. And, you know, I got... People sending me, they go out and buy black Les Pauls just like mine. And they're like, look, Doug, I got a guitar. You know, it's, you know, it's like, I'm doing my part. You know, give me some love, you know. You know, and they were like, yeah. Uh, right. <laughs> yeah. And they were just like, yeah, sorry, not going to happen. And, uh, you know, I got buddies in, in L.A. who also toured Gibson's. They've got like 40 of them. <laughs> and all they're like, their living was littered with it. And I'm like, just, you know, at least give me like help on the price of it or something. And they were like, yeah, no, sorry, I can't do it. And about that time, Kelsey approached me. And uh, he'd sent me a couple of guitars from some like boutique manufacturers. And I was like, ah, it's nice, but here you go. And then he sent me a Nags and uh, man, that was it. I just played it and I was about to put it back and I went, hold on. 
and I just never put it down again. It's, it was just like, I don't know, man. It's like everything you hope a Les Paul would be. <laughs> <laughs> That's super and that was it. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. That, and now, and now I got a signature model. See one back there. Yeah, that one's all is that's not shine, all right? That's a relic, right? Yeah, it's relic, yeah. yeah. Which is really cool. That is super and then this cool. one. This is the first one I got. That's gorgeous. Yeah, it's badass, man. It's such a good guitar. It's so warm and fat. And it's elegant, you know, it's not as clumsy as the Les Paul. It's a very elegant instrument. It's ergonomic. Yeah. Yeah. It just it's how's got the, that sustain. How's the heel on it? I'm curious. Uh, it's, 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 you know, it doesn't have anything fancy. Right, right. But it's still, it's kind of a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Slender. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. It's thinner than a Les Paul overall. Mm-hmm. You know, it's got the, the belly thing here. It's a nice fat neck. It's a big beefy neck, which mm-hmm. I like, you know, that's yeah. it. Yeah. It's a gorgeous guitar. Yep. Yeah. Thank you. Very nice. That's good. Very Thank you. Yeah. So actually we had a question, which is one of the questions I was going to ask you. So V Mazone uh, said, finally, Doug Rappaport, what an amazing player. This is going to be great. He said, ask Doug what bridge humbucker is in his current favorite uh, in, in a super strat, he said. And the, but I'm curious about your, uh, your signature line as well, your signature guitar. Okay. Um, the only strat I have, I'm going to take these off real quick. Mm-hmm. Maybe this one. Maybe that's what that yeah. one. That looks familiar. Is this the one we're talking about? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this has normally it's just a, I usually use it with the stock pickups, which I I think Dave Dave's designs. Mm-hmm. Right. Correct. But this one I, I put the I put a seventy eight. This is a 78, and really the main reason I did it is because I like the look of the zebra. The other one was black. But uh, this is a Duncan 78, which I'm a huge fan of. That's a great pickup, yeah. Yeah, and that's... Well, that comes... now, now i got to send you the zebra, one of mine, so you can compare. Are you talking? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I love Dave's pickups. They're fantastic. Don't get me wrong. I just like the look. I was being, you know, I just like the look. It does look but, good. Uh, I agree. <laughs> So the, um, the, the, uh, the uh, adjustable coil on the Zebra. Okay, got it. Right on. So All right, um, you'll get one. <laughs> great. But, uh, yeah, my, um, um, that's what I use. I, I, I love Dave's pickups. They're, they're great. <laughs> um, and then uh, on, the, on my signatures, they come standard with a 78, Seymour Duncan 78 which I like because it's... Um, it's a great pickup. Yeah. That's yeah, a great pickup. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a little bit hotter than a regular PAF, so I can cover a lot of ground. I can do, I can do like, blues, and I can do Van Halen, of course, mm-hmm. and uh, anything. I mean, any... I can cover the whole gamut, as opposed to... I really love low-output pickups. I love them, but you're limited in what you can do. You really are. Mm-hmm. And I find if you overwind those puppies a little bit, a little bit hotter... Then you're you're good, right? Right in the nine, nine point three, nine point five range. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's funny, yeah. I actually I just got a uh, a Sir Thornbucker Plus. Mm. Oh yeah. 
And um, that's going in a special guitar that a buddy of mine just made for me. Well, a body, at least. I want to show it off if you guys don't mind. Um, if you check this out. It's sparkly, isn't it? <laughs> it is. Wow. It, it is sparkly. It's a VH blue sparkle. <laughs> it is sparkly. <laughs> yeah. do, do you not like the sparkle? I like the sparkle. <laughs> okay. I'm just that is sparkly. it's unique it's unique unique for a a, a van halen guitar to have the sparkle on the stripes so that's why i said that (laughs) yes exactly it's cool exactly exactly so totally cool yeah i I love it i I love it he did a great job on it so um uh, and he's one of the moderators in our chat his name is craig guitar wannabe craig uh he's got his own thing so i wanted to promote it for him uh he did he did a great job, so thanks for doing it. But yeah, the Thornbucker is going to go in there as uh, as well. So um, and that's an is overwound. That, is it covered or? Oh, yeah, it's open. Yeah, it's open. Yeah, open. I think you can get it. You can get it covered. Um, but I, it's a Thornbucker Plus, which is just what you were saying, which is around the like just a little overwound, like in the nine range. Yeah. So, but Dave, I got to get some of your pickups. Are they available now to purchase? Um, uh, just uh, uh, just a hair away. Just waiting for the boxes. Okay, let me know when they are because I definitely want to pick up. I can one. get you some before that. So. Oh, all right, cool. There you go. Oh, there's some perks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, hey, maybe we'll run into the chat in just a moment. But you know what? I'd be first thing I wanted to ask. Doug, if you can just give us like some background, how'd you get into playing and, uh, you know, how long ago was that? And, you know, give us the background on uh, your whole background of music. I'm curious. Sure. Yeah. Um, I love music as far back as I can remember. Um, we moved, uh, I'm from England originally. So we moved to the States when I was, uh, we moved to Los Angeles when I was about five years old and, my mom had uh, all the Queen albums, so I was really, you know, I kind of came up on Queen. Mm. And I just spent, she had to teach me how to, to do the record player. You know, she set up a little chair for me, and I'd climb up on it, and I'd put the needle where I, she showed me how to use the needle and said, put on the song I like. And my favorite song of all time, still to this day, it was Tenement Funsters, Sheer Heart Attack. Check it out. Um, and... Um, I just used to get lost in the music and really transported and it just stayed with me forever. And when I went to school, I went to a little like uh, alternative school in West Los Angeles and it was a K through 12 and all the like senior kids, they were all had, they all had mustaches and they all rode motorcycles and tattoos, you know, and they were, you know, having sex with girls in the park in the, in the playground. I mean, it was a wild school and they always had, always had ghetto blasters and they always played Aerosmith and Zeppelin and uh, all that, all the classic rock stuff, the heavier stuff. And every time they put on ACDC, man, it would just like make me, whatever I was doing, I would just, that guitar sound. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah, it blew my mind. And my mom had a, my mom's a, a classical pianist and she had a, we had a piano in the house and I figured out fifths. You know, I could hit like an E and a B. I didn't know it was an E and a B, but I found those two together. I was like, that's it, man. That's back in black. And I just sit on the piano. 
Love and it. then, uh, and then the next couple of years, I just would. I, I had a mirror in my room, and I put my stereo on. I play uh, Back in Black or Hell's Bells, and I just air guitar and a tennis racket. And it occurred to me one day. Well, I learned to play guitar. Right. Why am I doing this? <laughs> right. Tennis racket ain't doing shit. So, uh, so yeah, that's it. I went to my uh, parents. I said I want to play guitar, and that was. Uh, the rest is history, man. I went to school, a little school in Santa Monica where I grew up and um, got me started. And, and once he showed me the E chord and the D and the A, I was on my own. I was like, thank you. Good. Got it. Thank you. Bye-bye. So. <laughs> <laughs> so really, so you're self-taught? Mostly self-taught? Pretty much. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's impressive. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I just loved it. I just loved it. I had to do it. it I, I just did it all the time. Right. That was so, it. So, so now, have you come full circle and got a turntable again? No, unfortunately. God, that would be great. All right, listen. You need to do yeah, that. Yeah, I will. You, you just go and do it. Get it again. Because the, the, the funny thing is the minute you do it, and the first time you put that record on again, it's just like a flashback. Oh yeah, oh, but wow, just a flashback to all the records you used to, you know, you, like you used to play on the thing. So, you know, it's like I remember. I think I set mine up finally recently, and uh, a friend of mine gave me a bunch of old records he had from back, same records I had used to have a long time ago, and yeah. uh, and I just I just grabbed one out of the pile. First one I pulled out, Van Halen two. Oh, like, yeah. Okay, I'm gonna put that on, and you put <laughs> it on, and you literally just go, "Oh my God, does that sound good?" You forgot how good it sounds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you do it, you're gonna you're gonna call, you're gonna text me, and you're gonna go, "Holy shit!" <laughs> well, make me some recommendations. I don't even know what what to get anymore. Do you uh, have like a, company, a I got a I got a turntable from a company called U Turn Audio. Okay. Um, the basic turntable. I mean, they they you can upsell it a little bit, but the basic one's like one hundred and seventy nine dollars or something. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you can get a better platter, a better needle on it too, which ups it a little bit. But you know, probably don't need to. You know, seems yeah. fine. Yeah. And then I just found an old receiver. You know, I I just bought something online. You can get it for like sixty dollars or something. Yeah, you know, look, look on eBay and find like an old Marantz or some techniques or something, and yeah, then you just need a pair of speakers. I had yeah. some old studio monitors. Oh yeah, I had, okay. I had I had a pair of old Tannoy studio monitors, and I just hooked them up to the receiver and done. Finished. Yeah, I they were NS10, so <laughs> yeah, NS10s will work, but not probably not the greatest listening experience. <laughs> uh, but uh, but you can find find something. I mean, I use. Yeah, I had a Tannoy PBM eights, which were I really actually work really well for a uh, stereo speaker. Okay, I think they're super cheap if you can find them too. Yeah, so they're not expensive to get, and uh, but man, I swear to God, it'll it'll alter your life again. I remember when the CDs first came out, and I went and bought you know like um, I went and bought like Van Halen on a CD, and I listened to it, and I go, it's not right. Yeah, that my experience too. I remember having, um, let's wow. see, a fair warning on on album, 
and I listened to it forever on album on a shitty stereo too, not the greatest stereo. Yeah. And then when the when I got it on CD, I put it on. I'm like, going, what's wrong? Right. It doesn't quite sound right. No, it didn't sound right at all. Hmm. Yeah, I said that to my dad. I, I totally relived it again though when I put that album back on. I'm like, going, oh my god, listen to that. That's awesome. <laughs> So I'm gonna do it. you really That's need to awesome. do it. <laughs> I do need to do it. I remember my dad had bought a uh, a stereo right when CDs and MP3s were, were starting to blow up, and my dad spent like tons of money on this real fancy system to play. He even had it like custom, like hardwired tuned for jazz, which he loved. And he was saying, "I got all these CDs," and I said, "They don't sound as good, Dad." And he was like, "Ah, oh, you're full of shit. Ah, I have superior <laughs> sound." I'm, going, I'm telling you, Dad, it's not good, man. And then years later, some you know. Uh, uh, audiophile expert guy talked to him and said, yeah, no, your son's right, man. It's, it's not the same. You're losing a lot in the digital and, domain. And now we've all dumbed it down to MP3s and stuff. Oh, yeah. yeah. You listen to it and you think it's normal. Well, the minute yeah. you put on that album again, you're going to be like, well, let's go on eBay and buy some more albums. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're like, oh, wait, there's, oh, wait, that, that old Queen record. Okay, there we go. Yeah, yeah. I want that. Click, yeah. click. I still, I still have all those cool. records. Oh, oh that's good. That's good. Oh, yeah. Oh, Absolutely. Well, 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 there you go. Yeah, you yeah, see, it, see, what's preventing me from doing it is because I got rid of all those albums many years ago. I don't have any of that crap. I even got rid of my CDs. I turned you know everything, you know. It's so. not a big deal. You know, like sometimes you can go to like um, swap meets and stuff and, and like uh, you'll see like they'll have albums out. And literally you can just go through there and buy like 10 albums that, you know, Mm-hmm. that are moderately interesting to you maybe some really good ones but some other ones that are decent you just grab them all for almost nothing you know yeah and uh but then on, online you just sit there online it's really easy now so you just go online you're going oh i want that and you're not yeah. going to think if you're going to spend twenty dollars on it you're not going to even blink yeah you know i mean i, yeah. I i'm sure you ought to go online and buy all sorts of cards of garbage for that kind Pretty of money much. all the time Yes, I do. Unfortunately, you know. <laughs> so, so you know, uh, you know, why not just buy a couple records, a couple here, a couple there, a couple, you know, you're, yeah. Before you know it, you got fifteen, and then Van more. Halen, man, that's what I want to do. I want to hear Van Halen again on a record player. But you, that's yeah. what you, you need. Van to do Halen, that is great. Back in black. Yeah. For those for those about the rock, I'd love to get that again because that was. I amazing. still got it. I still got it. Oh, that's a that's a another classic one. That's uh, the first record I ever bought with my own money. First record I ever bought with my own money. Really? I didn't know it came. Out, I didn't know it come after Back in Black. So I got I got for those about to rock, and uh, then I and I loved it. Then I got Back in Black, and that was it, man. Yeah, but for, I actually, you know what? For those about to rock, it was a very underrated album. Yeah, in my opinion, I agree. That's really, brilliant. Yeah, it's a great album. I I, I can yeah. listen to that like sometimes over that's Back great. in Black. You know, that's yeah. no, great. Absolutely. And no, now they're playing. Cool. But if you want to know, though, how a rock band is supposed to sound, Back in Black is about the most perfect example mm-hmm. of a well-mixed, well-recorded record there is. Brilliant. I mean, that's if you brilliant. put that on in your studio and you listen to it on NS10s, like you said, and whatever, and you listen to that album, it sounds great. Yeah. And, yeah. and you put on other stuff, like newer stuff and and. Even even if it's not, you know, even if you're just listening to it off iTunes, it still sounds amazing. And 
you compare it to other albums and other bands and different things, and you're just like, no, nothing touches that. <laughs> yeah. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Mutt Lang albums in the early 80s, late yeah. 70s, early 80s. Yeah. Mutt Lang. It's not nothing better than that. Mm-mm. Yeah. But. Good stuff. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. amazing production. Amazing stuff. Now, they're supposedly recording an album with Axl Rose, I heard. Yeah. Who, him and Angus, and that's it? Yeah, well, I, don't, I guess. And Cliff, maybe? And, uh, oh, Cliff retired, man. He's out. That's right. Oh, yeah. So who's left? Yeah, you're and right. What's with the other guitar player? That uh, What's his name? Malcolm. 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 Yeah. I thought it was his cousin or whatever. Yeah, his cousin or his nephew or something like that. Yeah, it's it's playing. But crazy, man, with Axl Rose. Yeah, I'm probably, I'm I'm most likely to be Brendan O'Brien again. Um, Mm. Which is good. Well, cool. Good for them to keep going, you know. Yeah. I think think Angus just wants to keep playing. So that's cool, I guess. I'd rather see. G and R make another album with Angus. I mean, with with Axel personally. That's what I'd like to see. But. Well, agreed. Yeah, that's another great album that was sounded amazing. I'd like to get that on album. Uh, Appetite for Destruction. Yeah, I, I uh, the, the the engineer for that record's a friend of mine. Macasia uh, Ryan. Yeah, you know Macasia. Yeah, how's he doing? Good. I haven't talked to him for a little while, but yeah. I mean, like every oh, once wow. in a while we chat. Uh, he's somewhere back east now. Um, oh wow, Ohio or somewhere? Or, or, yeah, every once in a while we chat. I uh, in the early about a little not, not long after I met you, Dave. Uh, I I hooked up with Andy Brower, and he was like, "You come with me. I'm going to make you a star. You're going to be the next big session guy." And like this and we're going to make a tape with you and he brought me into the studio and put me on all these sessions and Macasia was the uh, engineer yeah yeah that's when I first met Macasia yeah hmm. yeah yeah and I knew yeah, Mike so. Klink too the producer so oh really wow yeah from a long time ago yeah yeah by that amazing I think Mike Klink was in the right place at the right time with that whole scenario I think, I think both, need, both of both of more well, yeah, it sounds like, it. from what I read, they were going through, they interviewed, uh, well, who was it, uh, Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley to first produce the album? Oh, yeah, that that wouldn't, yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah, that wouldn't I, have been great. I never heard of that, wow. Yeah, yeah, and supposedly then they went on, I, I heard Stephen Adler talking about it once also, he was saying that... Um, uh, well, it was. I also read the book, but the long, bottom line was they gave him a real hard time. Uh, Gene Simmons and and uh, Paul Stanley supposedly, you know, Axel was total douche to him, and, and <laughs> at least what I, that's what I that's what I read. But uh, but Stephen Adler was, you know, like he's a huge Kiss fan, you know. Yeah. So he was just like, "What are you crazy? Is freaking Gene Simmons and you know and Paul Stanley in our freaking apartment? Like, are you fucking crazy?" You know, right. but but they uh, th- those guys didn't want them producing. But um, and I think then I think those guys went on to produce uh, Trickster or something like that. That's what he was saying. He's like, we could have oh, ended wow. up sounding like Trickster. <laughs> 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 oh my god! No. 
Um, hey, you know, another thing. Hey, here, I, hey, hey, here's okay. something in the chat that uh, is, is good. There, uh, Reverb has a uh, site for uh, buying albums. A really? Separate, yeah. A separate site, Reverb LP, it says on here. Wow. A whole separate website for albums. Oh, wow. That is cool. <laughs> right. So there you smart. go. Reverb dominating, taking over the entire world. Yeah. Meanwhile, Good Reverb, did you see on April Fool's? Um, I think it was this year. April Fool's, they, they came out and sent out an email that um, they had Reverb for lefties. <laughs> no and you got sucked into that, did you? Yeah, I totally got sucked into it. I saw the email. I'm like, no shit. Reverb for lefties. Yeah. I clicked on it and they're like, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> that's just cruel man. yeah just cruel. i'm like we, we get enough shit as it is and don't don't get any <laughs> uh, really we don't get any any shit it, just people don't make enough stuff for us but um i married a lefty so i'm on your side bro don't worry i yeah. got you i need to make more stuff <laughs> well dave's making me a lefty oh yeah one of these days it's got turned in, so it's 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 coming eventually. But it hasn't. Hey, Mark. Yeah, Mark. Dave told me. I don't know. How, don't get mad at me for spilling the beans here, but he's making the left-handed Friedman uh, amp. Actually, oh, I heard all the knobs go the opposite. Yeah, direction. <laughs> yeah. We could do that. Yeah. <laughs> it starts off really loud, then you got to turn it. Turn it louder. Lower. Yeah, all, yes. all, all the knobs working backwards rotation. Yeah, exactly. It goes all the way to zero. <laughs> yeah, so that's funny. That's funny. Yeah, I uh, I should have done it differently, but what can you do? Um, I'm going to go back in the chat if you don't mind. Say yeah. hi to some. Say hi to some folks. We uh, we got Guitar Tex, who's Mark Attaway, shouting out from Virginia. He says Nag seventy one says Dougie raps with a big uh, thumbs up. Quentin James. Hey, all. Quentin, um, how you, how, I hope you're doing good. Uh, let's see. Charles Graziato. Tom Brino. What's going on, Tom? Um, oh, speaking of Tom, so that article, Dave, is going to be uh, published, I think, like in a week or so on the okay. Van, Halen, Van Halen News Desk cool. about, about us helping, uh, along with Tom, find uh, a guitar for Jerry Cantrell. Oh, you get ripped off or something? He uh, he didn't hear this story. This uh, it was um, one of the EVH music bands that uh, Eddie Van Halen had given him had gotten ripped off in about uh, what two thousand and one. Mm-hmm. Oh wow! From uh, Henson Studios hmm. uh, in uh, when he was recording Degradation Trip, and it never it just vanished, and no one knew what happened to it. Oh. Until it was found recently. Wow. And, and we, were, we were part of uh, getting it back. Tom Brino and, and Mark and myself and my partner Rob helped. And because yeah. I'm Most the one that texted Jerry initially. Hey, did you wow. have a guitar stolen? <laughs> we might have found wow. it. Yeah, it was. He, got it, he wound up getting it back. How did you know it was his? Detective work. Yeah, Tom did some detective work. It was was a gold top, right? So they only made very few of those guitars, 20-some, 27 or 26 or something, Mm -hmm. ever, to 
normally those guitars never come with rear route routing for the tremolos but the oh. one the two guitars that went to jerry had rear routing oh wow um for the trems and oh. um so it was a rear routed one which is uh, unheard of which is unheard of that doesn't really exist we had found out that it had gone they sort of had a record of it. It had gone, uh, the music man had said it had gone to their artist relations department. So there's another thing. Right. And then in the end, we found a picture of Jerry playing the guitar, or Tom did, and uh, where you could visibly see the bird's eye on his neck. Oh, and, and the bird's eye matched exactly. So oh. it was the guitar. Yeah. Wow. And now he has it on tour. Wow! So, yeah, it's cool stuff. I remember seeing him play it, uh, uh, playing that guitar. I guess they had done the MTV Music Awards, and they had just gotten off the road with Van Halen. Yeah, he was playing that music, man. I remember that. Yeah, hmm. yeah. That's yeah he cool. had two of them. He got a blue one and a and a gold top. Okay, yeah. yeah he's had the blue one forever, but uh, the gold top was gone. He thought he'd never get it back. And a gift from Eddie Van Halen, no less. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. It it wasn't so much the guitar; it was just that it was a gift that it was that it bothered him all these years. Sure. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah, it's good. Good story. Yeah, I'm glad to we to have been part of it. And thanks, Tom. So uh, that article will be out on the Van Halen News Desk actually in a few weeks. So. All right. All right, Tom. Yeah. Thanks, Here you go, buddy. Um, let's see. Michael Shane, Mehran Khan. Uh, JV Venus, he says, Doug's the man. Blackie DH, hey, Mark and Dave, thank you. Uh, we got Craig Guitar Wannabe, what's going on, bro? Um, Charles G Guitar says, oh, yeah, this going to be good. <laughs> I like how he wrote that. That's very funny. <laughs> uh, greetings from Europe. Uh, so that's cool. Uh, Lance Lopez, look out, Dougie Raps, watching here that's in so Texas. Cool. Lance. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what's going on, Lance? Um, and then we got somebody, Dave Johnson from London. Hey, right on. Hey, Dave. 708, uh, how you doing, Jay? Um, and I'm just going through for uh, questions as well. Let's see, Chris Ham says, hi, Quentin James. Chris Ham says, is that a bass man behind you? Uh, no, you know what that is? It's a P it's called a PV vintage, which, oh, yeah. um, uh, yeah, I think they actually were making it to be like a, a poor man's basement. So yeah, it's, it's a friend of mine's I'm, I'm watching it for him. So that's cool. <laughs> that's cool. And what's the, uh, is that an, is that a music man behind you actually? All the way behind Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, it is. It's an axis. Okay. Those are cool. Yeah. With yeah. a Floyd on it, yeah. yeah. See, I can never find a, a. I would love to get one of those guitars, but they uh, they don't make a lefty Axis. They make an Axis Super Sport. With, oh, okay. Uh, with like the Fender style, vintage style trim. It's like oh. really, they, they don't make the Floyd with the le- why not? I don't know. Can't order it custom. Maybe you can, but I've never. I'm just you know. That'd I be cool. Maybe you can do it all uh, custom. Yeah, that's. A- I ne- I've never owned one. I always wanted to own one of those guitars. I never did. They make nice guitars. Yeah. Don't you have a Wolfgang in there? 
Dave, you got yeah, I, I have the I have the Black Wolfgang that Ed gave me, um, which is great. Is but great. I do I do really like those old Ernie balls. Yeah. So, you know. It's good. The, the neck is like it's holding. It's like holding a pool cue, man. It's really yeah. It is. It is, it is on the, a roundish kind of small side. Yeah. But uh, but it is cool. Yeah, the necks are unique. They're cool, and they just have a nice finish to them. They uh, Ernie Ball does a nice, nice job with their finishes too. Oh yeah, top notch Ernie Ball for sure. Yeah. Good Very good stuff. Make is good. Yeah. Um. So so tell us about your. And I'm going to screw this up now. Ikichi Yuaza. No, I, I screwed it Yuzawa. up. Yazawa. Yazawa. Tell us about that gig that you have in Japan. Okay. All right. Uh, there's an artist um, who's been, uh, he's a cultural icon over there. You see his face on posters. and uh, His name's Ikichi Yazawa. And he's been going for, I don't know, since the 60s. And I guess the closest, you know, there are, there are a few huge artists in Japan that nobody outside of Japan really knows about. And he's one of them. And I guess the way, best way to uh, to tell you about him or give you an equivalent would be he's like Mick Jagger. He's like Mick Jagger over there. So, you know, uh, he's phenomenal talent, man. He really he really knocked my socks off, man. Um, I, I got a call from the drummer in the band, Jimmy Paxson who uh, is currently with Lindsey Buckingham, plays with Stevie Nicks and the Dixie Chicks. And anyway, he was doing the gig and he's like, a spot opened up and he called me and said, come to Japan. So they invited me very kindly. And uh, I was there for three and a half months and it was an incredible experience. It's uh, It was all arenas and, and theaters, the whole tour. And, it was a real adventurous because I ended up breaking my finger. Oh, no, I saw that. That's you want to tell the story how? Yes. This is this surrounded. story, people. Okay. You can't make this up. No, I can't. Um, I'm in a bar, and these three guys are coming at me. They got knives, guns. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, no, no. That I can make up. No, so um, – Here's what happened. And this, I'll make this a PSA announcement to all my musicians and friends out there. So please pay attention to what I'm telling you. This is real. Okay. Um, backstage, after after the fifth show, we've got about 30 dates. This is after the fifth show. And I'm, I've got my skinny jeans on or whatever you call them. And, you know, sweating. So they're wrong really tight. And I was in a confined space. And I couldn't really, you know, bend down to pull the pants down. So I, uh, I was using my hand like this, see, and pushing the pants down like this. And they were really on tight and they were wet and weren't coming off. I'm pushing and pushing. I'm talking to the guy that's going, ah, yeah, nah, 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 nah. and I just pop like this and just felt this pain in my finger right here. Just pop back and I grabbed it and I pulled it back in and then it just drooped. It just dropped over like that. Like, have you ever seen the double-jointed people and this this joint pops up yeah. this way and this one pops forward? It's, right. It was nasty. So, anyway, um, it was broken. So, uh, I, had, I ended up going to the doctor and we took x-rays and he said I had to splint it, so I wore a splint. 
we taped it up and I had to, luckily I had like two days off and I could sit in my, in my room and relearn my parts and just, you know, learn how to do different fingerings, choose different voicings. And, you know, I had super talented music. I had, uh, Jeff Coleman was the other guitar player and he's super talented, amazing player. And he, I gave him all my solos and everything that I had to do. And he was like, no problem. And then Guy Allison is amazing keyboard player. He, you know, he figured out ways that he could, you know, fill in the little holes that were being left behind by my incapacitation. Is that a word? <laughs> it works. Okay, good. And uh, so anyway, yeah, that's what happened. I broke my finger and I actually, and I tell you, man, within a couple of days, you know, the, the producer of the show would come over and go, so can you take any of your solos back? You know, they really love balance over there. They love yeah. this guy does a solo, this guy does a solo, this guy does a solo, and so on. They really love that. So they didn't like that. They wanted me to get more solos in. So I, you know, I got all my solos back. I figured out how to do them and I, I, I played with the three fingers and this thing sticking up in the air like this. And, wow. And I finished the tour, man. I finished the whole tour. And everyone was super supportive and amazing. And luckily, it's um, it's been a long road, but it's it's almost 100% better. So thank God. It's yeah. a nightmare, man. That's the worst nightmare if you're a musician. So anyway, the lesson for all musicians that there are anyone who wants to protect your fingers, it's not an uncommon uh, injury. People do it when they're tucking a bed sheet in. They push too hard, pop. And basically what happened was my tendon ruptured. My tendon in here just snapped right off. Um, you're taking off your socks, pulling your pants down, anything where you're pushing with your hand like this, please, people, be careful because it does happen. And so if you're a musician, I mean, here's the fucking funny thing about it is, <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't skateboard. I don't, uh, what do you call it, snowboard. I don't, I'm real careful. I, you know, my son's a sports guy. I don't play basketball too much. I'm real always careful of my hands. Right. How do I break my finger? Take your pants off. Oh, wow. You know. Murphy's Law. Well, you made it through it. Yeah. Maybe it even made you a better player because you forced to do it a different way. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) They invited me back, so that's something. Well, yeah, this time you get to do the tour without injury. That's right. Yes. That's, that's, That's That's professionalism, though, man. You finished the tour. You figured it out how to do it. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's, uh, it was very, very scary. And I remember the first show that I did, these are all, first of all, when this guy goes, when this guy announces a tour, it sells out immediately, okay? Hmm. From beginning to end, it sells out immediately. And everywhere we're playing, we're playing packed arenas, right? Packed um, uh, concert halls. And the first show I went back to was the concert hall. And man, I tell you, I was doing it. And about halfway through the show, I started crying, man. I was bawling because I didn't know if I permanently damaged my finger. I didn't know if I was going to be going home and letting everybody down. It was, you know, I learned, I I worked hard. I figured out my parts. Everyone was so supportive. So I'm standing there on stage and I'm crying, I'm playing, I'm crying. And then we have this whole thing where uh, uh, Yazala-san, he introduces the band and when he announced my name i just started bawling in front of all these people and you know my bandmates are looking at me like oh my god he's having a nervous breakdown so, <laughs> it was really just like you know i did it and thank you god and the universe whatever you know you know i did it and i can i can make it i can do it so it was a huge emotional thing for me to 
to get through those first few shows and then to finish the tour was really, really cool. And then to be invited back. So I'll be going back this summer. So we're all doing stadiums. That's yeah. awesome. So oh, yeah. Yeah, man. That's freaking killer. Yeah, thank you. That's, that's amazing. Yeah, that's that's yeah, so that, yeah. that's who he is. Yeah. yeah, so I, I I actually had seen some of your posts with your finger and I'd wondered what happened, so I didn't know yeah. the background. Wow, man. Now you know. <laughs> yeah. I actually uh, about Lots two of bar chords. Two or three years yeah. ago I, I, I broke my wrist. So broke my uh my right hand and since yeah. I'm not, you know, that was my fretting hand, so I couldn't the whole thing was shot for six to eight weeks and I was really How did worried. you do that? I was uh walking socks on? <laughs> no, I fell on ice, basically. I was walking with uh slippery shoes, you know, like uh suit shoes and, yeah. and on like an icy area when it started to uh like it was just starting to freeze over at like mm-hmm. five, six o'clock at night as the maybe six, seven o'clock at night when the Then you put your hand down to brace Yep, fell backwards like yeah. this. Yeah. And just the whole wrist just went backwards and yeah. Ooh, I and I, I knew it the second I got up. The second yeah. I got up, I was like, yeah. Oh my oh my god, it's broken. And yeah. uh and then I had meetings the next day and I was like, I'm not going to the hospital. I was you know, so I waited till I flew home like a day and a half later. And I figured maybe it's not broken. Maybe it's just sprained. You know, you get you got that that hope, I'm sure, right? Just like you had, right? Maybe it's not, you know. Yeah, and then they uh, t- they took the X-ray and they're like, "Oh, we're gonna have to put you in a cast today." I'm like, "No way, really?" Yeah. And that was eight weeks later. But then I, I, after eight weeks, everything was fine. So thank God. But I'll tell you what, man. It's that, that's it comes to will. I did the same injury as you uh, about two years before I got the X-ray gig. I broke my wrist the same way. Oh, I wow. fell and I had, to, I had to have pins drilled in to close the bone. Yeah, really? and they told and they told me that it was a seventy percent chance that uh, I'd have to the pins wouldn't work. I'd have to get the bone fused and I'd lose mobility in my wrist. And I was like, "No way! Yeah. No way! Not gonna not happen. an option. Not gonna happen." Right. And uh, so you know, it worked in the end. I mean. It worked out, so that was will, man. There was just, I, there was no option that this thing wasn't going to heal, and I wasn't going to be able to go. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you can't can't lose that function. I mean, That's right. There's other things you got to do with that too. I mean, come on. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> uh, was, all right. You know, we break your wrist. That was the therapy. Yeah. <laughs> Rehab. <laughs> Oh man, um, that—that's why it worked. That's right. <laughs> that's right. Stronger, faster than ever, actually. <laughs> uh, hey, we we got a nice comment from uh, Maron Khan says Doug's Duncan Saturday Night Special pickups demo is the greatest demo of all time. Superb playing. Thank you, sir. That was one of the demos I did with Keith Maron. Yeah. Yeah. So, so then the next person, uh, R2R3, says Keith Marrow is a great guitarist. I have a signature Protone overtone, Overdrive pedal. Cool. Um, that's cool. He's, uh, a, he's a Schechter. His guitar, his Schechter signature guitar is like the highest selling guitar there by far. Hmm. Yeah, he's, really? like, he's killer, man. Amazing. Yeah, um, he's an incredibly talented guy. Yeah. I, I feel. Uh, 
stupid for not knowing who he is. I'm going to have to look him up. Yeah, absolutely. And use your good speakers, too, when you listen to him. Okay. Because oh, yeah. he's a production. His production is is outstanding. So Okay. Cool. Worth it. Yeah. Um, we also have a, a suggestion from Charles G. Guitar. He says Lance Lopez would be a, a good guest for us. Yeah, absolutely. I played with Lance in a band. We were in a band together called Supersonic Blues Machine which was a really cool blues band that was uh, built around Lance, who's a great guitar player and singer. And uh, Lance invited me to come out and do a bunch of shows with him, which was an absolute blast. So, yeah, I've known Lance a long time. Great dude. Lance. That's cool. Yeah. Definitely uh, talked to him, yeah. Uh, let's see. Let's see if I have any any other questions that I can find? Um, oh, so there was a question. Uh, Charles Nuzza says, how does Doug compare his BE to his Helios and CCV? Uh, well, I don't I can have the Helios I, anymore. Uh, oh, there you go. So there's, there's one out of the equation. Yeah. Um, and what was the other one? Oh, the CCV? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> to. Uh, okay. The the um. I don't know. You know. Here's the thing with with um with these high gain EL34 amps is I find that each maker has or builder designer has a voice. They you know what I mean like a style like they have a voice that they like to put into what they're doing with a high gain or EL 34 type amp. And it's like their signature sound, you know, um, Bogner's got his sort of frequency that he likes to accentuate. Dave's got frequencies that he likes that he accentuates in his circuits and, and Mark, the Cameron, the same thing. He's got, uh, more of the scooped, I guess it's a little more scooped. Um, I don't know. You just, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know how, but I mean, the, the, uh, the cam, the CCV gets heavier, um, definitely more gain and low end saturation. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's got more low end saturation. The B's uh, got a wider, it covers, it seems like it covers more spectrum. You know what I'm saying? Even though it does, it does saturate in certain areas. It's like got a, well, broader, that, that, that describes it. Yeah. Very it's much, got yeah. a broader spectrum. Yeah. Whereas mm-hmm. the camera is sort of like this more focused, heavy Marshall, uh, Warren Demartini, or but heavier even, you know. I don't know. It's hmm. cool. Okay. Yeah. Um, Charles G. Guitar wants to know Do you have uh, Duncan tweak or do anything to your 78s, or are they just stock? Stock. All stock. Um, okay. And then H. Flynn says, Doug played Eddie better than Eddie through the Friedman. How does that work? <laughs> uh, well, we got to, well, well, what we need to do is get Eddie on a Friedman and hear how that sounds. Hey. I've been trying to get Dave to introduce me to Eddie for, I don't know, years now. So when that happens, I'm coming over. Uh, 
here's here's the thing. Here's here's the thing. Um, I get a lot of emails from people asking me what setup to get for Van Halen, and I'll tell you the truth, and it's going to sound braggadocious. I'm sorry. Um, I can sound like Van Halen on any amp I want to, pretty much. Um, I mean, yeah, you got you can't do it on a, like a Telecaster and a Fender, but any kind of rock amp or any guitar with a lower medium output, I can I can make it sound like Van Halen. And I'll tell you why. Um, when I was learning to play guitar, I approached it a little differently than a lot of people do in that I wasn't interested so much in learning the notes that Eddie plays uh, or any of my heroes for that matter. I was interested in the way they played it, the way Eddie could make a note go wow just by hitting it one time, how he could make one note span this tonal spectrum and make a noise like someone talking or something, Uh, uh, his vibrato, uh, that kind of stuff. The what my friend uh, Eric Dover calls the inside stuff. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And like I remember, I, I played like a Jakey Lee solo or Van Halen solo for Dave. And Dave would go, "Wow, man, you do that note for note. It's exactly." And I kind of chuckled to myself because it's not really note. It's not note for note. But what I can do pretty close is the way they do the vibrato, or their pick attack, or mm-hmm. uh, the way he can get. I can do it right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I can play Van Halen like Eddie plays it. With the swing, I, with the swing, I can do the swing, and I can I can make the note sing the way he makes it sing, and I can make it sound like I'm playing his souls exactly, even though I'm definitely not. <laughs> but I got the, I got the vibrato and the vibe and stuff like that. But that's what I concentrated on coming up was that sort of thing. Like with Ingve, I was a huge, still a huge Ingve fan, but it wasn't the fucking shredding that got me excited. It was the other stuff, the vibrato or the big way he wide vibrato. Yeah, yeah. The note would scream like he'd slide up and do something and like make it scream, and I was like, I got to do that. That was more important to me than the than the scale he was playing or exactly how he was picking, you know, that kind of stuff. And that goes well, for all the guys. I think yeah. ultimately, a lot of people don't pay enough attention to that stuff. Um, you know, they 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 pay they pay attention to the notes, but they can't play. It. They're playing the notes, but they they're not playing it exactly with the. Exactly the right attitude or the right feel or the right attack or, yeah. uh, I mean, and real, realistically your, your sound is dependent on your hands and how your hands sound, how you make the guitar sound through the amp. The biggest answer is how do you play Van Halen like Van Halen? Well, you need to play like Van Halen first. You need, you need to have his touch and his hands. Yeah. Uh, Cause I've, I've heard him play through a, a little, you know, line six practice amp, and you swear to God, you swear to God, it was like, wow, look at that <laughs> shitty amp, and boy, he sounds just like it. Exactly. I I mean, there's a good example. You ever hear those? Uh, you ever hear those uh, uh, things with Stephen Rosen? Those old interviews where he's sitting down talking to Stephen Rosen, and this was back like the second record or something, and. And and he's uh, start has a guitar in his hand, and it's either plugged into a clean amp or it's just acoustic. Uh, you know, like he has a guitar in his hands and clean, totally clean. And he starts showing him the riffs of the new record and stuff. Oh, so, yeah, and you hear him play those riffs with the harmonics 
the 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 picks, the squeals, the scrapes, everything <laughs> clean or even acoustically on the electric guitar. And every every note, every little thing. And guess what? There's no lack of sustain. There's no lack of anything. He's yeah. nailing all the hammer-ons and pull-offs and everything on a bone clean. Yeah. That's great yeah. to hear. Yeah. yeah. I remember having the realization as well. I remember seeing a video of George Lynch, also one of my biggest heroes. Um, he he goes, uh, I'm going to play a Jimi Hendrix song now. And I've got a 1968. He had all the vintage shit. He had a 54 Strat stock plugged into an old Marshall. And uh, I don't even think he might have had a pedal. I don't know. I don't remember. But, man, it sounded like he was playing Mr. Scary. I mean, it was like the same tone. Same feel. It was right. George. Didn't matter. Yeah. 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 Unbelievable. So right. it's, yeah. it really is. It really is hands. Yeah. But to whoever asked that question, I'm sorry I forgot your name, but thank you. It's high praise indeed. Eddie Van Halen rules, dude. So thank you. Very cool. Yeah. No, I, we, we love, obviously, Van Halen's huge. Uh, I even have an yeah. EVH shirt right on my thing right now. Yeah. Uh, so I'm a huge fan. Um, Maron Khan actually has a question. Uh, I'm, I don't want to put you on the spot, but uh, he says, get Doug a Friedman Metro D. <laughs> Metro D? That's the set neck you're talking That's the, uh, the set neck Friedman. Oh, okay. <laughs> Tell me about it. I'm intrigued. <laughs> Didn't you see it in there? It- no. Probably, I just don't remember what. It looks. Is it a is it a short scale or? Yeah, it's a Gibson scale. Uh, okay. You know, in, in the vein of your Nags or or uh, Les Paul or you know different. Okay. Yeah, you'll have to see one again. Yeah. Okay. For to sure. remind you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what it was when uh, Doug came in the room. He was just in the room, and you you grabbed one of the guitars and just were, was playing, but the uh, Metro D's were on the other side of the wall. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. You probably didn't see him. Um, so let's see. Uh, we've got Cord the Seeker says Doug is one of my favorite guitars. So that's cool. Um, it's always nice to hear. Yeah. Um, let me see. I'm scrolling down here. Uh, okay, Charles G Guitar Dave, would you consider building a JCM 800 ish sounding solid state amp? I know the answer to that. No. Uh, <laughs> you didn't like, even let me answer. No. Okay. <laughs> I wanted to say no first. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. Probably so. not. <laughs> yeah, like 100 or 20 or so watts. I thought about it, but I can't build it. Yeah. Better yet, it. why? Yep. Um, Caleb Rappaport, what's going on, Caleb? Uh, I don't think you guys spell your your names different, but Caleb, how's it going? Uh, he says Eddie doesn't read music, all ear and memorization. Well, yeah, um, I got to tell you, one of the biggest disappointments I ever had coming up as a musician was was believing that my heroes had no musical training whatsoever, and then finding out later that they in fact really did in some way or another. So, like, I could have gone to a music college, but I was like, no. Eddie has no education. Jake Lee doesn't have any education. And, you know, all my heroes that I believe, like, didn't know anything about music, just were, like, raw street guys. And, you know, Eric Johnson, all these guys are 
all my favorite guitar players are classically trained piano players, man. I mean, well, yeah, there you go. Eddie Van Halen was classically trained. He's a classic, and he says he never read. I, I, I find that a little hard to believe. I'm sure he can read a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, because he used to win these competitions playing these big ass classical pieces, and you know. I imagine he had to read a little bit of it. Years ago, years years ago at a party at his house, I remember sitting there watching him. Uh, at least for what I can sort of remember of the party, um, <laughs> sitting there playing grand piano while a girl was on a trapeze above him. It was the most surreal, like trippy. And he, I, and, and I was on my way out the door, and I'm like, wait, wait, I want to listen to this. And he was actually, you know, really playing on the grand piano. And it, it was, was really, really cool. No, no, this was way after that. This was in, <laughs> this was in the dark days. Oh, okay. When he was like wearing duct tape for shoes. Yes. <laughs> dark days. Yeah, those are bad, no. bad days. Was he was he playing well on the piano though? I was really drunk. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Don't really remember. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter anyway. It was surreal, like you said. It seemed cool at the time. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, that's cool. Uh, that was like 20 drinks in, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you said it was open bar. It was open bar, yeah. Yeah. Open and, season. And that, that video of you uh, when he's playing jump, that video keeps popping up around. On, uh, oh yeah, where I light a cigarette. Yeah, yeah, all over, it's all all over the internet. Yeah, yeah. If you ever see that video, Doug, have you ever seen? I that have video? seen it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. The guy singing—that's Eric Dover. That's the guy I said calls it yeah. inside stuff. Eric's Dover. a badass. Yeah, he was fantastic. good. What a mega talent that guy. Yeah, absolutely. I've known I've known him for a lot of years. I made a rack for him way back when he was. What was the band he was in? Um, Jellyfish could have been Jellyfish. He was in Jellyfish. Uh, Wasn't there? Another, there was another band too. Uh, he did Alice Cooper for a while. No, for that. No, so in the '90s, at some point, early '90s. Uh, Snake Snake Pit. No, he was a no. That was no. That wasn't Snake Pit. It was like it was a signed band. It was his own band, I think. Uh, I can't remember now. Oh, Sextopolis or Sex, no. Uh, t- Sextus. No. Maybe it was Jellyfish. No. I don't know. I don't remember. I remember doing the rack. So, um, Caleb Rappaport. Yeah. I'm sorry, Kat. What were you going to say, Dave? I was going to say, you remember. uh, Never mind. It's gone. It was good at the time. It's too late. (laughs) <laughs> lost it forever yeah that's cool um, I think Dave when you were saying uh, Caleb Rappaport says that he was playing Romeo Delight with the harmonic intro when he was doing that interview oh yeah who me I was playing it no 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 The um, that interview Dave you were talking about with uh, with, oh. with with Eddie oh maybe uh, there was other stuff he was playing too though um this was Stephen Rosen. Uh, it was like an old Guitar World interview, right? Guitar World, or some. I'm sure you can find it if you search around on the internet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just audio, you know. It's not, you know. Exactly. Yeah, it, it, but it's cool. 
It's really cool to listen to. Totally clean. Everything's there. I have to find it. So What's when, all Spanish you guys, when all you guys say you need more gain, listen yeah. to that. Right. I got to tell you, man, 1984 is no one game. of my favorite albums of all time. There's hardly any gain on his guitars on that album. And yeah. I think it's my favorite uh, produced. I think Eddie produced it. Yeah. That, that, that's great. Yeah, that, that's fantastic. I like House of Pain and all those. Yeah. All those guitar. crazy, like, solos in the background and you're riding out, you know, on, on uh, yeah. I, I know you know a few of them. I watched you play them at our booth a few times. Yeah. And there's hardly any gain on those guitars, man. Hardly yeah. any gain. Well, Dave, that, um, that bootleg that, you know, that we were listening to, the one from oh, yeah. uh, Tucson, he's pretty clean there, too. Not a lot of gain. Nope. Nope. It's just volume. Rock Marshalls, baby. A lot, a lot yeah. of volume. That's what it was. It's volume with sustain, but it's not gain. Well, the sustain became because of the volume. Yeah. You know, that, that, that's the whole thing that's the equation that's missing. So everyone keeps turning their gain up higher and turning their gain up higher. Yeah. But really, they need to turn their volume up more and turn their gain down. <laughs> and and, and you'll, then there's, there's a, a fine line between it, you know. Yeah. Yeah, there's a spot. If you, can learn, if you can learn to play with less gain and you can teach yourself to do it, um, it'll be way better off. Like when you record, turn the gain down. You know, just turn it down. There's this one – someone I was just reading something. Uh, this Eric, Eric Valentine was talking about working with someone or something and how he would, he would get a sound up and then start turning the gain down until the player became uncomfortable with it and then that's where he'd leave it like just where he could just do it and then and then when you heard it back it's massive sounding look at all the acdc yeah. stuff yeah there's no gain on the acdc stuff it's like clean but i'll tell you what happens is you know i came up playing high gain stuff and as i get older and i'm sure a lot of guitar players on the wrong side of 40 will tell you this, but you, you start to lose interest in the gain. You want less gain as you get older for some mm -hmm. reason. And I've learned to play with a low gain. And the good thing is the sound is better for sure. But like I've become uncomfortable with high gain. And when I go out to play, when I go on tour, all soundmen demand a low stage volume. They all fucking demand it. They get really bent out of shape when you play your amps loud. So you have to start putting gain on and all this fizzy shit. And it's hard for me, man. I can't – you can't play a clean amp, a cleanish distorted sound on an amp when it's turned down really low. And you're, yeah. you're not going to get sustained. It's not going to happen. So, you know, now i got to crank all this gain, and it's like I can't control high gain anymore. I mean, I used to be able to, no problem. But now it's like – like, you know, it's really bizarre. So <laughs> <laughs> I forgot how to do it. Yeah, yeah. But you know what? A really good sound man worth his salt yeah. won't tell you won't tell you to turn down. Yeah, <laughs> they're out there somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of volume, we actually have a good question from um, John Sims. Uh, he wants to know for you, Doug. Um, do you wear earplugs while you're on stage? I wear in-ear monitors. Yeah. Okay. So. Now, do you find that, that that also helps 
the volume or do in-ear monitors somehow like increase the amount of volume that's going in your ears? It can do. It can do. Um, I don't like in-ear monitors. I don't know many rock guitar players that like in-ear monitors because a mic'd up guitar amp uh, sounds horrible in in-ears. It's awful. It's like a pig nose. Like, you're, you know, you dial up this killer sound and then uh, you put on your inners and you're playing through a pig nose, you know. So mm. I despise it. And for a long time I was touring with a Kemper because it was just a way to to mitigate that somehow, just to get me some kind of dirt, some kind of sound that sounded like an actual, like, decent guitar amp. Um, other than that, I, if I could have my way, I'd go back to wedges, and I might entertain the idea of using earplugs, you know, because mm-hmm. for the obvious reasons, but yeah. Gotcha. Ribbon mic on the on the guitar. Yeah, for sure. It, it makes it better for your in-ears. It does. We do that. We have a 57 and a ribbon, and I definitely lean towards the ribbon for sure. Man. Yeah. Hmm. What kind of uh, ribbon mic would you recommend? Well, there's um, there's a couple really cool ones. There's a SE Electronics makes one, Voodoo One, I think, or something. The SE Electronics Voodoo One. It's not very expensive. Uh, that one works really well. That's Steve Stevens' favorite. That's what he just uses that alone on his cabs. Really, uh, live or live, dead center, dead center in the cone because the ribbon, you know, is always a little darker. Um, that's a that's a good one. Uh, he said that's about the best he's heard in his in ears. And then there's also uh, I know there's one that Pete Thorne's been using in the studio a lot. Sterling uh, Audio, they make a active ribbon mic, um, which also is pretty low cost. I think it's only like a couple hundred dollars. And uh, and he he uses that in a bunch of his videos and stuff. And it sounds really great by itself. Yeah, I'm writing this down right now. It it cap it captures more of what the amp sounds like in the room. Oh, yeah. cool! I like that. Yeah. So, that's that's better. So all the demos I did uh, were all just a 57. Yeah. You can get good out of 57 too. Oh, of course oh, you yeah. can. Yeah, uh, definitely. It's a great, great mic. Yeah, I was just saying with the inners when you're talking about that stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, it's a different thing. And also, yeah. if they can, if they can put a little. Something a little reverb in your ears. Yeah, a lot of the guys are doing that, so it gives them a little space, so it doesn't yeah. doesn't sound like a dry uh, buzz saw. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah, that would help. Yeah, for sure. so they can uh, do that. You got a good question from um, Keith from the Guitar Guru Network. What's going on, Keith? Hey, uh, Keith. He says, Dave, what was the catalyst for the Metro D's name? Uh, Metro D, uh, uh, Metro Detroit, actually. Ah, no, the city cities generally known as Metro Detroit or the Metro area, you know. So, I didn't know. Uh, yeah. yeah, just a little heritage, you know. That's cool. That's good stuff. Um, seems seems so, like I'm there like half the year lately. Yeah, you, you've been there a lot. <laughs> um. Charles G says, I learned how to play Light Up the Sky from Doug. With a, he's laughing. Um, 
Let's see. Uh, Chris Potts, can you talk about how you approach soloing over chord changes? Yeah, I'd like to hear that. Um, Jeez. Uh, my approach is... Gosh. I guess being able to visualize chord shapes on the fretboard. That's how you do it. So, um, um, you're like, if like, you know, if you're playing like a, like A, you know, you got, right, and then you go to the four chord, you gotta visualize that shape, right? Okay, so you can, do that kind of stuff in the five. You can visualize that shape right there. You know these shapes, all these shapes. You know once you learn to see the chord shapes, visualize, see them like on the fretboard where they lay. You can target those notes, mm-hmm. and then you, you know you have to know your chord shapes. You have to know them all over the neck. You have to know your scale patterns all over the neck, and so you never get lost. Which I still. I still get lost. I mean, I think Alan Holdsworth, God rest his soul, probably the only guy who never got lost. Um, but anyway, you know, like uh, I can just see the chord shapes and you target them. Also keeping in mind what key you're in the whole time. So when you do revert to scale shapes, as opposed to the chord shapes, um, you're not lost, you know? So always keep in mind what key you're in, know all your scale patterns, be aware of all the different shapes for chords. Visualize them on the neck. Target those tones. And you can use, like, to get jazzy, you can just use chromatics, you know. Like, right. You know what I'm saying? You can just target those notes, and it will tell you, and you can speak that chord through your notes mm-hmm. just by visualizing the shapes. I hope that answers the question. Yeah, man, that was... That was awesome in less than two minutes. Less than a minute. Cool. <laughs> That's why I'm a lousy teacher, man. I give all my secrets away in like four minutes, and the guy paid for an hour, and then I'm just sitting there going. <laughs> That's fine. Uh, so, Chris Potts, I hope uh, hope that helped you out. Um, so, we got Tom McDermott. He says, Doug, saw you at Skinny's in NoHo a couple years ago. So awesome. Any, <laughs> any plans for a second record? Man, I've been doing a second record for about eight years now. Uh, yeah, man, I got plans, but making it happen's a little tough. I got touring commitments, um, kids, uh, lots of excuses. I got tons of excuses. Now, um, <laughs> I, I do have plans. I do. I would like to. Uh, you know, uh, get uh, a little bit of management behind me. Um, a little more collaboration on this. I've been doing everything on my own for forever, and I'd like to get some collaborations going and put out something serious and killer with some budget on it and tour on it and go see the world and come see all you guys, man. That's what I want to do. So that's what I'm working up right now. So, yes. Sweet. All right. Cool. Sounds good. So, uh, Dave, you're going to cringe when I ask this question. Um, oh, no. 
Joel E. wants to know, uh, when's the Friedman uh, Celestians coming? Never. <laughs> what? Don't buy them. Forget it. <laughs> Are they coming? You will actually see them available next NAM. Not summer. Winter. Along winter. with some new cabinets and stuff, too. Oh, okay. So we're going to offer a little series loaded with them. So it'll be available right after. Uh, it's actually there? available, yeah. I mean, technically they're they're gonna be in and available. Oh, that's nice. So. Cool. And is that the same for some of the other products as well? Like the Mike Nomo, I saw someone with No, that's the, the the I think the Wah will be the first thing that's available from from last year's <laughs> NAM. Uh that should be this summer. Um and then the um, Mike No More is probably to follow. And then the other two pedals uh, got delayed a little bit. So, unfortunately, we're looking at, like, end of November, maybe. Mm-hmm. So that was the DPOD. Yeah, is which the- is now the BEOD Deluxe, by the way. Gotcha. So I think I like that name better. Yep. And um, Mike No More will be available. Is it Mike No More or now was it Mike No Mike, Mo? N- Mike No Mo. Okay. M O. M O, right. So, uh, yeah. Oh, and the, and the Golden also Pearl. Could used, also could be used as a weapon if you threw it at someone. This is quite heavy. <laughs> <laughs> Use it for self defense. Yeah. And what was the other pedal? The Golden Pearl? Okay, so that'll be available. Also. Super great um, low gain drive that just boosting already like amps like JCM 800s and or something that's already crunchy and you just want to take it a little bit further but still have it be really transparent sounding. Cool. Um, oh, I just, just lost the question. Someone had asked, how do you add subtle gain to a Marshall 2204. I was going to say, get yourself a... Buxom Boost. Buxom Boost, exactly. That'll That'll boost that thing beautifully. Or or the new Golden Pearl. A little different. Yeah. But Uh, if you just want a tiny, tiny bit... Well, either one will do it. Just do it a little bit. What about something that takes a, takes your tone, like a lower gain sound, and pushes it into a singing sustain without adding fizziness to it? What do you think? So lower gain or semi-broken up clean sort of kind of oh, stuff? Like, a, like, a, like an ACDC or Def Leppard type of rhythm sound, but you don't want to add too much more gain. You know, you want to keep the same kind of gain sound mm-hmm. structure, yeah. but boost – Boost your lead tone, give it a little bit more volume, and get some of that singing sustain added onto it. Just a little more, arm, almost like compression. Yeah. Kind of. Without yeah, adding too much like gain. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, there's another pedal coming. <laughs> mm-hmm. Here we go. There's another pedal coming. That kind of does something like that. So, Great. Which is, is unnamed as of yet. Okay. Oh, it's a chance to have the Doug Rappaport signature 
<laughs> Dust <Dust-dust> drive. <laughs> Doug's drive. There you go. Um, here's an interesting question. Uh, Dr. Noberson. Dave, I hear a lot of people starting to say tube amps are 1930s amateur radio technology, and it's all about all about modeling these days. What do you say to this? <laughs> Here's the thing. Play them in the same room back to back and tell me what you think. Mm-hmm. At a decent volume. And tell me with a band. Just just even in the room. Tell me it's the same. It's not the same. It doesn't feel the same. It doesn't react the same. It doesn't have as much weight. If you see a band using a Kemper or um, or any of the modelers, it just doesn't have um, the same impact. It just it doesn't have the impact. It's almost like MP3 versus vinyl. Yeah, it's the same song. But there's a real big difference. So, yep. I mean, you can listen to it. You know, someone might listen to it and just go, it's the same. But then it's, it's not. And then the other thing I find with all those things is, is you'll sit there and they go, you know, yeah, I just want to turn the gain up. What page is it on? Click, click. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Or, 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 or you spend all your time tweaking your sound to try to get it perfect, which it never is, and you're not playing guitar anymore. Right. You're spending more time tweaking than playing. Yeah. That's for sure. Or, or, or it's, I, I remember this distinctly, too. This kind of reminds me of this also. Uh, I remember one amp show a bunch of years ago, our, our deceased friend Kenny um, – Gip, uh, Guitar Center was there, and they were showing the new Gibsons with the uh, Robo tuners, you know. <laughs> and so he's like sitting down, looking at him, like trying to contemplate what this is, you know. And then he asks him, asks some person, "Well, how does this work?" And then this person shows him, and it's not working. <laughs> and, 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 and he and he goes well how this isn't working like you said it works so then they call someone else over you know like a gibson expert and then he's trying to explain it to him and then and it's still not working right <laughs> and and he just gets up and goes fuck this shit just give me a regular guitar with some regular tuners the whole thing would be tuned by now yeah <laughs> so sort of the same thing here's here's an app and here's six knobs oh there we go okay ready let's go and you know what maybe they got it right in the 1930s technology it's possible yeah because you know at the end of the day i've tried a camper i've tried i've got my positive grid head you know that i've got here i've tried them all Try to get one to really naturally feed back. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you, I, I toured for about, I want to say, two years with the Kemper. And there's a lot of pluses to it. 
I got it for the in-ears. That's the only reason I got it. Mm -hmm. The front of house guys love it because they don't oh. have to deal with, with uh, you're being too loud on stage. They have total control. It's a decent sounding. I mean, they sound good. Yeah. You know, like, uh, you know, um, so they love it. The front of house guys just jizz all over it. And then now uh, I'm back to using the tube amps and because I miss it. I missed it. I just missed having it's that thing you can't even say. You can't describe what it is. It's a, uh, There's a punch. There's a, a speaker tube signal reaction that happens. Yeah. And even our front of house guys was going like, I love the camper, but man, there is something – there is something with that dynamic of the player into the amp. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, the tubes reacting and breathing and then the speaker fucking spazzing out and doing what it does. It's There's a lot. Whole, yeah. It's a whole synergy there and it, it is different and it is better. It is better. Yeah. yeah. Not to say that, you know, the Kemper and these things don't have a place. They're great, you know, but, yeah. but still like, yeah. So thanks Dr. Noberson for your question. Uh, Richard Butler says, love your show, guys. Thank you. Um, hey, you know, there's one thing to add to that, too. Yeah. Can you honestly look at any of those modelers and go, oh, man, that's cool? <laughs> right? You look at the camper and you go, what is that? <laughs> and, and, and it's just like there's, there's I don't know, may, maybe we're old. But growing up, growing up with, you know, the image of, you know, cool amps on stage and stuff. It's just, it's still embedded in my head. Mm, yeah. And, uh, you know, you look at your white, white half stack there, Mark, and you're like, Oh man, that's cool. Yeah. Exactly. That's <laughs> why I have cool. it. Do I need a hundred watt half stack in my bedroom? No, but it just looks fucking cool. <laughs> yeah. it is. And, it, and it sounds great and it sounds amazing. There's no doubt about it. And then when I want to crank it up, I will, but like I, we had really guilty enjoyment on the show in Detroit that we did with uh, with Dave Black because we, Doug, you would have loved it. It's it's was five cabinets, four twelves, two stacks and oh. another one with two heads stacked on top of the other one. Yeah, all all in red, oh. with black grills and white nameplates and stuff, and it wow. it looked visually. Just you look at it and you went, oh man, that's fucking cool. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I bet it sounded awesome too. Yeah, it sounded great, but I mean, like visually, it looked fucking you know badass. I mean, yeah, that's awesome. I mean, he used two cabinets out of those, but you know, it still looked killer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's awesome. Uh, Meron <laughs> Khan, good question here, Doug. What pedals are on your current pedal board? It changes all the time. Um, the only uh, thing that hasn't changed is I have a DD, a Boss DD20 for delay, which is awesome. I actually just spoke to Dave, and he was like, you got to get the new one. What would you say it was called, Dave? DD500. Okay, DD500. So yeah. I'm probably going to get that, but I've had the DD20 gig, whatever it's called, forever. Mm -hmm. um, I have a Wah pedal, the... The Bradshaw one, you know, uh, mm -hmm. Dunlop yeah. makes yeah. it. Yeah. Custom, Custom audio. audio. Yep. That's, That's the best one. one. Um, and I have two J-Rocket pedals on my pedal board right now. The Guthrie Trap signature pedal. Oh, the GTO? And, uh, is that what it's called? GTO? I, I think know. it's 
I think the Guthrie Trap Overdrive, the GTO. I think. That's oh, okay. Yeah. So I use that, and then I have the another J Rocket pedal called the Blue Note, which is an outstanding pedal uh, for boost. It does boost. It could be a gain pedal in its own right, um, but man, is it transparent? You like transparent boost? Great pedal. And then Phase Ninety, mm. EVH Phase Ninety. Cause you gotta, gotta have, yeah. And uh, I think that's that's it. And then Boss Tuner, that's it. That's what I take on the road. So that's yeah. cool. We got a part two to that question from Eric Fraser. He said, "For a fly gig, what would be your one?" Like he says, "One grit pedal." But I guess, oh, what what would be your one distortion pedal? I guess he's asking. Distortion pedal or overdrive grit pedal, dirty pedal. Um, uh, I have done very well, like any situation pedal. Um, the Bogner Ecstasy Blue pedal uh, has served me very, very well. I could take that and a little delay pedal, like a Seymour Duncan Vapor Cho or whatever, and I can do anything. You know what I mean? Like in a pinch, like someone says, come do this. You know, I can just take those two, plug into pretty much any amp and you're golden. And uh, I'm gone. I'm good. I can do anything and sound really good. So, yeah. You know, pedal that I, that I bought, I really love also, Dave. Have you ever tried the Bogner LaGrange? Yeah. It's a cool pedal. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. The, uh, it's got a, um, a variac feature on it, which is very, very reactive. Sounds very cool. Yeah, uh, yeah it's cool. Um, John Sims also asks: Is Eddie sound a green greenback sound? Well, he mixed uh, mostly green. Yeah, greenbacks. He's mostly known for greenbacks. Yeah, that's that right. was kind of standard back then, wasn't it? That's just what came. That's pretty much what came it? in the Marshalls. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, he was asking Celestian Greenbacks. Yep. Um, looking else. Uh, Doug, what was the inspiration for Bionic Wars? I'd love for Dave to make an isolation cab. Uh, so first question, Doug, what was the inspiration for Bionic Wars? From John? Yeah, I guess so. From John James McKeo? Oh, yeah. John, how you doing, buddy? <laughs> I know that guy. Um what was the inspiration for Bionic Wars? Um, it just evolved as I was recording it. I, I was just, uh, I don't know, man. I was just, uh, I just, one of those things I'd record a part and then write another part and I kept adding it. It just sort of became something as I went along. Um, I was just a very inspired time in my life. Uh, uh, when I was writing it, I know I released the album 10 years ago, but I had written it earlier. And I, was, I had a, my son was two years old at the time or something like that. So I was a new dad and, um, you know, I was just an incredibly inspired time. And I just kind of whipped that album out. Like nobody's business. It was just like, boom, it happened. And, uh, it was all that way. It was just one song after another, just piecing it together, piecing it together. They sort of became something as I stuck them together. I was like, Oh yeah, this is going here. I'll add this. Okay, now I know where this is going. It all happened. It all evolved as I went along. So. Hmm. 
unlike like guys, there are guys like Bumblefoot, you know, like the guitar player is a genius musician, like the greatest guitar player in the world. <laughs> and he, he writes everything in his head. It's all there. He, he composes it, writes it, lyrics, arrangements, solo, everything's in his head. It's done. And it's just a matter of getting to his, his studio and plugging in and laying it down. So me, I'm more, uh, uh, oh, okay. You know, like, like so <laughs> piece it together like that. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. I'll have to check it out. I, I wasn't familiar with the song, so that's cool. All right, cool. Um, Charles G. wants to know, Doug, do you use Duncan 59s in any guitar? Um, I don't. Um, I used to because when Nags, uh, when I got my first guitar from Nags, they were 59s in there, and I liked them very much. But they, they did what I was talking about at the beginning of the program, is that they are um, low output, underwound. And they just weren't quite enough. Mm-hmm. So I don't use them anymore, but they are excellent pickups. Just not hot enough for me. Yeah, it's interesting because somebody had posted, I, I don't remember their name earlier, they were having a problem with, uh, I think they said their JB, their Duncan JB pickup. It was reading half of the, what it should be. And I the, supposedly the broken. JB is, yeah, it's it's either broken or I had a problem where one of the wires was actually soldered to the other wire. And caused some weird thing when I was reading it. So, uh, but yeah, it's an overwhelmed pick, pick up the JB, but I don't particularly like how it sounds. I used it forever. That was my pickup until I started. Uh, JB Max. can sound, I don't know. I, I, I like JB. I think that's. Yeah, I used it forever. Yeah. For a higher yeah. gain pickup, I like it. I got yeah. really good with a JB. I got to say, tuning my horn again, but I did. I got real good. I can send you like videos of me playing with my Les Paul with a JB in it. You'd be like, what? Because I I could get it really really low output sounding like, and it was a hot pickup, man. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I could really work it. I could get it sounding really PAFy, man. But they're good pickups. They are they are a little uh, saturated for sure. Not as open sounding, but for my money, man, yeah, you can't do well. It sort of depends on the worse. amp you're using with them too. It's it's true. They sound great into an old Marshall, like a dimed wow. out old Marshall. They sound killer. So hmm. they just kind of push it over the edge a little more. Yeah, I love JBs. Yeah, I got an old one here. I got to go visit uh, MJ up there and have her fix it. It's got it's microphonic. I got to. Need his ducats of paraffin. Maybe. Yeah. Well, I don't want to go visit her up there at the scene where and the customers. Yeah, she's and, uh, she's promised some food and yeah, tamales, fresh tamales. That's actually that's actually how I discovered the '78 was. I went up there to visit and MJ, I met MJ and I told her she had wound uh, I had an old JB that was my favorite. And I I like bowed and I thanked her for it and she was so sweet. She said, "I'm going to make you a pickup," and she made me a '78. And so that's how I discovered it. So yeah. yeah. Yeah, the 78 is a great pickup. You know what pickup I also want to grab is the uh, Warren D. Martini. Yes. Have you heard that pickup? You know, that's uh, essentially, no. it's essentially a JV, but it's... Yeah, with like a low, a low magnet in it or something like that. Uh, yeah, a little, I think a little less on the wind and then uh, and an El Nico 2 magnet, I think. Mm. Thick, don't quote me. But I'm a Warren fanatic, so i got to have one. So. Yeah. Gotcha. So, yeah, so that brings up a subject. Yeah. Speaking of Warren. Yeah. Yeah. Rat. Yeah. No Warren. Yeah. No yeah. Warren and Rat. Just Stephen Piercy. 
basically. And Juan Crossier. Yes. From what I understand, not even Carlos Galazzo. I think he's gone too. Carlos! It's crazy. So, is anyone going to go see that show? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm not. (laughs) No way. The the whole reason why I went to see Rat this past year was because Warren was on tour with him. That's because that's the only reason to go see. Right. (laughs) Here's a cute story. I did uh, years ago, Edgar, uh, uh, we opened up for – no, Stephen Piercy actually had the band, and and he opened up for us, Edgar uh, Edgar Winter. And I was so excited because I was a huge Rat fan. And so, uh, you know, Stephen came backstage. I ran up to him, Stephen, oh, my God. I love you guys so much. I'm a huge fan of it. And he's like, yeah, 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 okay. Yeah. Like this. And uh, and I go, man, Warren Dimmert, and he's my biggest hero. Oh, my God, Warren. He's so great. And Steve looks at me and goes, yeah, Warren's good. Like that. And I went, <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah so that, that there you go. That answers it right there, right? Doesn't it? Yeah. 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 I mean, um, how do you not see the immense uh, yeah. talent? How do, you, how do you see that your career's over? Yeah, exactly. It's over. <laughs> it's over, Johnny. Uh, yeah, that's too bad. Too bad. Um, let's see. If you don't mind, we're going to go for just a few more minutes. Yeah, yeah. Um, Oh, here's a question. Metal Madness 66. Dave, when are you getting Cantrell on this show? Exclamation point, question mark, exclamation point. What Mark just said on that, uh, uh, right there at the end of your statement there? Exclamation point, question, question. I don't know. <laughs> it'll, it'll happen eventually. You don't understand. <laughs> and after me, come on, guys. Hey, look, you got a friend there behind you. Hi, baby. Hello. <laughs> there you go. Nice. <laughs> Hello. Hi, What's her name? Amelie. Amelie, Hello. nice to meet. Nice to meet you. That's Mark. And that's Dave. I'm doing a podcast. Right. I'll be in a few more minutes, okay, baby? Okay, I'll be right now. <laughs> That's cute. Okay, I'll be right now. We'll be almost done. we got two more minutes. Okay. Um, all right, so, yeah, so Metal Madness 66. Uh, we will get Cantrell on the show. Jerry will come on the show. He's on tour right now, so there's nothing we can do about that. But I think there's a break between his tour. We might be able to try something there. But I know, Dave, it, it takes a little bit of work. So, um, but we will, we definitely want to have him on the show. Let's see if there's any other questions that I missed. Yeah, there was, there were some other things here. So what's the reaction to slash, uh, making an offer to purchase BC rich. You hear about that? I didn't hear. About no, that. I heard about that. Oh, I think that's a good thing. Because hmm. there, at one point in time, BC Rich had really high end, killer, you know, guitars way back in, you know, in the day. Yeah, you know. So, 
I'd rather see him buy Gibson. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, I'm sure there's a big price difference. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so, that's uh, you know, hey, why not? That's true. Then uh, someone else had said, yeah. Phil Smith. See, Phil. Here's Phil. Phil said, sorry, Dave, but that heavily sounds like an old fart argument. For some people, Kemper... <laughs> Kemper, Axe, and whatever looks way better than some ugly Marshall. It's a fact. It's a different generation. Yeah, well, you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you're just wrong. <laughs> okay, how about a new amp? I'll take a new amp even. A 5153. I like that better too. It looks better. Come on. I'm not just talking about old Marshall. No. Yeah. yeah, I mean... It's just wrong. It's not right. Sorry. Hang on a second. Call me whatever you will. That's Does this look cool? You know, out, <laughs> out, out of all those amps, that one looks slightly better than some of the other ones because they made it look kind of retro. But even they're trying to make it look retro to appeal to people right, right. that, you know, want an old amp. But it's uh, still, yeah. At least it doesn't. So have I don't know. Are, are, is vinyl antiquated? Why is it selling better than anything uh, out there right now? Is it vinyl? Yeah, every year vinyl goes up in sales. Wow, wow. man, that's terrific. So I mean, like it's doing really well, and so you know, I guess that's very antiquated too. I guess everyone's old farts. All, all the millennials buying records are are. <laughs> yeah. But you know, there, it is true, though, to, to the guy's point, there is an iconic attachment to rock and roll music. Like, I, I played Les Pauls for a long time, and now I play Nags, and I swear, man, every time I see a Les Paul, I'm just like, ah, you know. And I have people yeah. who, who play my Nags, and they go, my God, this is an incredible guitar, but they can't put down the Les Paul just because it's like, that's rock and roll, man. It's like, yeah. that's part of the iconic thing. It's the amp and the Les Paul. So... You know, there's a lot more attached to it than I think. Sure. Just brand generally. loyalty. Yeah, there's just what's rock and roll, man. It's just not rock and roll to have a and little then, toaster. And, and, you, know, and then how, you know, and how many young guitar players are listening to Black Sabbath and, mm. you know, Jimi Hendrix and all the old stuff? I know a lot of them yeah, that are totally deeply into that. Yeah. I Good. mean, I, I know, like, you know. Uh, one of our artists, uh, Sammy Bowler, is amazing, amazing guitar player. Young, he's like twenty four, twenty five, and and uh, and you know, one of his favorite guitar players is Randy Rhodes. It's way, yeah. be way before his time, man. You know, yeah. and uh, and uh, and he's an amazing guitar player. He does some videos for Guitar World and stuff. And if you haven't checked out anything he does. Check it out, Doug. He does these really cool um, tapping, uh, two-handed. Uh, it's hard to explain. You just gotta watch yeah. it. I know I posted some videos on my Facebook page and stuff. Have yeah. doing clips of things and stuff. A lot of the young guys. I got a no, student, really uh, unique and interesting. Yeah, uh, same here. I got a lot of young students. I had students when I was teaching. They were young guys and. You know, they're like 20, 21 years old. Also, they're into the old stuff, and they love Randy Rhodes and Eddie Van Halen and Warren Martini and all those. Gary Moore, they're really into it. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. 
Do you still give lessons, Doug? No. That last lesson I gave, that's the last time. Never again. No, uh, I don't teach anymore. <laughs> I don't really teach anymore. Somet- maybe sometime in the future I will, but no, I won't teach anymore. Okay. Cool. Yeah, because uh, Chris Potts had asked if you do Skype lessons. So, okay. Um, all right, well, I think- a lot of money, maybe he might. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I saw Brent Mason was giving uh, lessons. He was offering guitar lessons at his house for like two hours. Yeah. And it was $500. Yeah. Yeah, it's Brent Mason, man. Yeah. I know, but still. Holy crap. Yeah, he's amazing. He is amazing. Yeah. Crazy yeah. player. Um, all right. Anything else you want to cover, Dave, before I, we say goodbye? I don't know. Someone else had something in here about some old Marshalls, difference between Plexis and early 70s, or which is your favorite, or something like that, and now I can't find it. Um, well, the ones I like are generally super lead spec Marshalls, so that can be a Plexi, or it could be a 69 or a 70. Uh, kind of all the same, sort of. Um, so I think that might have answered it. <laughs> Agree. I agree. Uh, yes, you know, anything from 68 through 72 or 3? The hand wired. The, That's yeah, hand yeah. wired. The, the four input, crank it on 10, um, you know, crumble the walls. That's the way to do it. Yeah. <laughs> I'd love those. I'd love to get an early 70s, uh, like 71, 72. Yeah, you have a power. Do you have a power station still, or did we? Do you, yeah, yeah, you still have that, right? You got it from yeah. us, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. Still have. Yeah, I mean, like you could have one of those and just crank it on ten. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, oh, great. <laughs> yeah, the power station is a great tool, Dave. I'm yeah. sending you my amp tomorrow, by the way. Okay. So speaking of that, while I have you here, <laughs> what what mod should we do to that? How about we just make it stock? Just a stock, but yeah, but just good a, stock. Good stock. Okay, I'm good for that. And then I want to do that too. You can use it with the power station. That's what I. That's what I plan on doing. Yeah. Okay, this works for me. I'd like. I'd like that. Um, there was another question here that I missed. Oh, JJ House of Jams. Hey, Dave, would you run your Friedman ASM? at full level and control volume from the source, cheers. Yes. Or maybe down just a little and then control it from the source. Yeah. Absolutely. I thought you were going to say no. I thought you were going to go yes or no. (laughs) (laughs) See, now here, Benjamin Murphy says, Dave, when when are are we going to get your take uh, in a straight, straight up no frills BS single channel plexi early seventies metal face Marshall. It's funny you say that. Maybe sooner than you think. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. So maybe sooner than you think. I might not make it look exactly like a Marshall, but it'll be like a cool, you know, retro look for us old timers. There you um, go. You know. Our, yeah, our, the, uh, us with the old fart arguments. 
Awesome, man. That's good to hear. Uh, yeah, yeah. I really good. want to do that because I love that, and and I have a great example. And <clears throat> John Shanks also has a, a one of our partners in in the whole thing has a couple great examples of some really cool plexis and stuff. So, and he's been I like it. Today. He's been, he's been bugging me to do it, so like I'm doing it. it. Great. That's great news. Nice. nice. We got to get John Shanks on the show too. When's that happening? Uh, yeah, I can make that happen. Sure. Yeah, because he wanted to come on with uh, with Steve Luke Luke Ather, but um, yeah, I don't know if I want to put the two together. <laughs> yeah, get, keep them separate. Well, it might, it's just logistically, it becomes harder to do it with both. But yeah, it becomes way harder to do it. Yeah, so it'd be better just to do it separately. So, uh, okay, uh, Greg D. We got one comment from Greg D. BC Rich, so much wasted potential could be a rock and guitar company. What's your favorite BC Rich body shape? Hmm. Oh, I'm only familiar with the, the, the Mockingbird, I think. Right? No. Whatever one Rick Derringer played. What was that one? What was the one? And what's the, and what, what was the one that um, like Joe Perry played also? And and uh, not the Warlock. Um, Something bird, mockingbird maybe, probably the mockingbird. I think that's it. That's what I said before. Mockingbird, no, it's a mockingbird. That's what it is. Um, Neil Giraldo played one too, which is he, he's a great guitar player. Oh, I loved his. Oh yeah, one. man. He played one for a long time too. There you go. I should try to get him on. Yeah, you know, get him. You know him? He's amazing. Uh, yes. Oh, well, yes. Um, not really well, but I've, I've had uh, several conversations with him over, over the years. What a great player. Yeah. I love that guy. Yeah. And he's like a session guy too. I mean, he did stuff that people probably don't even know that he played on. Yeah. Like, especially like that. Uh, what was it? Um, Rick Springfield. Yeah. yeah, that's right. That's right. So, um, all right. Well, you know what? Let's, Let's wrap up. I know, Doug, your family's... There we go. Mockingbird. That's what we're talking about. Mockingbird. Yeah, Mockingbird. That's what I thought I said. Didn't I say that? I think You might have uh, said that. Uh, <laughs> okay. Um, but, Doug, where can people uh, find you, reach you, uh, plug any things that you want? Um, my website's DougRappaport.com. Um my Twitter, not Twitter, uh, Instagram is Doug underscore Rappaport. Uh, please follow me, more the merrier. And uh, if you could subscribe to me on my YouTube channel, just Doug Rappaport, that would be awesome. I'm, I've been a little lax on my videos uh, as of late, but we're picking up, like like Dave said, we're going to be doing a bunch of videos, so some Friedman stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, please subscribe. <laughs> please subscribe more to Doug's channel because he's going to be yes. doing some more videos along here. Awesome. Yes. And we want to have him have lots of viewers because well, everybody yes. watch him play. <clears throat> yes, please. We'll make, sure, we'll make sure to share it and uh, please subscribe to our channel as well, uh, tone-talk.com. And um, we also have T-shirts still available. If anybody wants Tone Talk T-shirts, cool. let me know. All right? Yeah. We still have sizes, uh, medium through extra large, extra, extra large, actually. So, um, and uh, next guest, we don't have uh, lined up, but Dave, you're going to be on the road for the next couple weeks, right? So we had the next guest lined up. Oh, it's, oh, we do have the next guest lined up. That's right. <laughs> you're right. I totally forgot. 
Am I? I'm, I'm fucking fried. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, it was uh, Sean Tubbs. Sean Tubbs is coming back on. Sean, Sean Tubbs. Tubbs is awesome. Yeah, Sean's a badass. Sean, Sean great, yeah, great player. So yeah, we just have to work out work out the date because I know it was going to fall on the date that you were going to be at Sweetwater Fest. So if we can do it that date, otherwise we can, we'll work it out. Well, I just had to figure, like I said, like I'm going to be gone basically two weeks. Um, so leaving on the 19th and returning, uh, I don't know when I'm returning, two weeks later. Um, and I just got to figure out if the internet's good enough. So Yeah. So we'll, we'll give it a shot. We can figure it out and uh, I can do a test with you or something. Okay. I'll, bring, I'll bring my headphones. Okay. As long as the internet's fine, it should be fine. So Yeah. Yeah, where would you do it? Like in your hotel room or something? Yeah. Okay. Cool. All right. Well, Doug, man, thank you so much. It's a pleasure getting to know you and having thank you on you, the Mark. show. Thank you. Likewise, Mark. Thank you. Thank you, Dave. Always good to see you. Yeah. Had a great time. Thank you, guys. Thank you, everybody. You chimed in and said hi. Awesome. Very cool. Awesome. All right. Everybody have a great weekend, even though I'm so used to saying this on Friday. So enjoy your Friday tomorrow. Back to work, unfortunately. And, um, Enjoy the weekend, and we'll catch you probably in about two weeks. All right? Have a great weekend. Take care, everybody. See you guys later. Doug, hang on one second.